make sure I'm switched over here. Are we done that? Okay, there we go. And um, it is sometimes a very difficult truth to relay because having joy is not just walking around with a great big smile from ear to ear. I've met uh, many people like that over the years. And I found out something about most of them is they're not being entirely honest. Uh, Most of us do not walk through life just going, Yay! Everything is wonderful! Because there's a lot of unwonderful things that happen every day now, aren't there? Uh, There's a lot of things that discourage us and keep us from realizing the joy that God wants us to have. And as we talk about Christmas, as we talk about these things, we have to understand. The tidings were given by the angels. It was tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. And uh, sometimes we as Christians forget that there was joy on God's part as well. Now, let's look here in Hebrews chapter 12. And again, the the total context here is talking about us running the race here in verse 1. It says, we're looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that second phrase in verse 2, it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we have a pattern here. Jesus was not going, hip, hip, hooray, I get to get beaten today. Uh, I can't wait to be nailed to the cross. And, and, and if you listen to the TBN crowd and some of those people out there, you would think that that's kind of true, and it isn't. It says that Jesus endured the cross, he despised the shame, and what gave him the strength to endure that contradiction of sinners against himself? Joy. Now, it's hard to think about the word joy when we remember that just before Jesus was arrested, he spent three hours in Gethsemane. In greatest anguish, in fact, his the intensity of emotions that he was experiencing was so powerful that it kind of just numbed the disciples into sleep. It said that he was he began to be very amazed, and the disciples they just couldn't handle it. They just checked out emotionally. They just took a nap. In fact, that's. That's what people often do. They just kind of blank out, either physically or uh, sometimes you just turn your brain off and you stop processing information. That's what the disciples did. And yet the Bible tells us that Jesus was able to endure all of this because of joy. Now that's, that's a pattern that you and I, we... Praise God, we will never go through what Jesus went through. Isn't that a wonderful part? I mean, you could rejoice about that, could you not? And yet, we need to understand that Christ was able to endure these things. He did not enjoy them. 
and yet he still had joy. And in Luke chapter 15, let me just read you the verse. I have it printed here. It says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. In verse 10, he says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, I know the primary understanding of this passage, especially the second one, in the presence of the angels, is that the saved people who are in heaven are rejoicing. But I want to challenge you as I put this sermon together i got a little different tilt on that I'd like us to think about. It says, there is joy in the presence of the angels. Who is there with the angels surrounding him? The throne of God? Hello? I want you to understand that God has joy over each soul that truly trusts in Him. I mean, that's what I get out of that passage. I don't know how many times I've read it and I said, yeah, people get excited in heaven when somebody gets saved. No. How about God gets excited when somebody gets saved? That is why He sent Jesus. That's why... He sent the angels to announce His birth. That is why Jesus did all of the things and had all of the patience that He needed. Uh, I just, I, I wish I could convey what is in my heart here about how much patience Jesus had to have to walk this earth 33 and a half years. You stop and think about that. Jesus' sufferings were not limited to the cross. Could you imagine three and a half years with eleven Baptist preachers and one traitor, Judas? I mean, that'd be enough to discourage anybody now, wouldn't it? And Jesus was training them, and even as He was ready to ascend into heaven, they were still asking Him, when, when do we get to be kings? And Jesus said, "Uh, don't worry about that. You worry about being witnesses unto me. You want to know if the Holy Spirit is working in your life, tell somebody about Jesus. That's the working of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And so, we still hopefully you're in Hebrews chapter 12 I want you to skip down to verse 23 and I've often made this connection before and want us to do so again tonight it says to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than of Abel. This was the joy of Christ, is the church. Uh, Many religions uh, have tried to make 
much of the church. In fact, uh, Catholic history is actually more full of folklore and uh, uh, I, I don't even know what you would say. Uh, made up things than you could ever imagine because they, they are trying to make uh, the church important. And someone once was talking about, uh, quote-unquote, St. Patrick, uh, the patron saint of New York City. And, and, of course, if you study history, Patrick was not Catholic. He baptized believers by immersion. Uh, that's Baptist. And uh, uh, Saint uh, and Patrick's father was a deacon in a uh, Anabaptist church, uh, as it came to be called in the Middle Ages, in Scotland. Before he went to Ireland with the gospel, uh, there's some of the most fanciful rewriting of history is the theft of great servants of the Lord. Patrick's message was very simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized. Serve Him in His church. These are not all of these other trimmings here. You see, God wants something. Romans 8.29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Hebrews chapter 2, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brethren. That was the joy that was set before him. The fact that down through the ages, from the time of Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry, as he established his church, he commissions it in Matthew chapter 28. And one day that entire church is going to be assembled in heaven. And I do want to remind you of this, though I have so many times. The church in heaven is a local church. It's not a universal church. There is no universal church anywhere in the Scriptures. It's only in the imaginations of people. And He has given us local, individual assemblies. Jesus is the head of each and every one. And each and every one has a responsibility to Him. You see, we know this, but it doesn't impact us the way we should. For God so loved the world. Do you know what? That means you and me. Now, let's go to John chapter 15. You see, God used joy as the factor that allowed Jesus to endure all of these things. And that joy is going to be finally realized when the saints of all ages are assembled together into heaven, when the entire church of Jesus Christ is assembled at one place, serving Him 
And the Bible tells us we shall ever be with the Lord. Now, if that doesn't help your joy meter, it's done busted. Amen? Uh, it's not working. We, we struggle. So much of life, if you stop and think about it, is surviving. Isn't that true? Let me, let me get through another day. Uh, I stand here in this pulpit, and this morning I got messed up a little bit. 27 years. That, that is a long time. That is a lifetime. How did we do that? Well, one day at a time. Like my father-in-law has always said, somebody's got to sell the soap. Uh, somebody's got to be there. It is living one day at a Jesus went through 33 and a half years of confinement in a physical human body like you and I have. It wasn't until after the resurrection that he received his glorified body. Then he could do all those neat things like walk through walls and uh, uh, he was no longer limited as we are. We complain about aches and pains. But think about the eternal God of heaven being stuck in one of these things we call a body. The Bible says he did that because of the joy that was set before him. And if we go to John chapter 15, he wants his joy to be in us. John chapter 15, verse 11 These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. He wants to take his joy and put it in us. And I will tell you that if we could get just a little bit of his joy, it would fill us to overflowing. Because he has such a capacity for joy. He is God. And if you have known on earth the, the blessings of finding a person who will share their life with you and, and, and the joy that comes from someone who uh, is willing to, to be your husband or your wife. And of course, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time there. It should be one man, one woman. Amen. We'll just do things the Bible way uh, and, and not worry about what people who want to rewrite the dictionary are trying to do. Jesus said, listen, I want to put my joy in you. Because if I can do that, your joy can be full. And it doesn't matter whether you're married, unmarried, whether you're all alone in this world, or whether you're uh, too many people to know what to do with. Let's just get a little context here. Let's come back to verse 9. It says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. He says, Continue ye... In my love. Continue in the love of Jesus. And this is what, over and over again, 
I hope you don't mind me repeating because I don't know how to say it. What you did to get saved is how you live for God. That's continuing in His love. His love saved you. I remember years ago when my wife and I were first married, I heard a preacher preach on salvation. And I mean, he did such a splendid job. I mean, I was just like, wow, I wish I could be a Pentecostal, lose my salvation so I could get saved again. And just experience what this preacher's preaching about again. And then it dawned on me. That's not what God intends for us to do. Salvation is not the goal. It's not the end zone. It's not the final product. It's the beginning. It's the starting line, not the finish line. It only gets better from here if we'll continue in His love. Now, let's get back to the passage here and read the rest of it here. Verse 10 kind of makes it more difficult. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. You see, if we're going to continue in His love, we need to walk in that same pathway. But if we're going to live inside the love of Jesus Christ, we need to keep His commandments. And you know, the commandments of Jesus aren't that many. There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament law. That's a lot in anybody's book. Do you know how many commandments Jesus gave us? Let's read on. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. I've often asked people this. I'll meet someone every once in a while, and they say, Well, I'm getting to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. I mean, you know, what's the first question? Could you tell me what they are? You would think that if you were going to try to get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments that you might at least want to know what you're trying to keep, wouldn't you? I have never met a person over 30 years of ministry that could name me more than two or three that was trying to get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. The question I have for you, if you're going to keep the commandments of Jesus, you better get busy reading this book called the Bible. You better spend a little bit of time in that New Testament they're there what, what does it mean to love one another? Have you ever realized how much we are willing to put up with from the unsaved world and how little we're willing to put up with from our saved brothers and sisters in the fellowship of our church? 
Do you want joy? Start loving the people in the church. And I will promise you this. Read read the New Testament. Read what he said to the Corinthian church. Not many wise. He said, God has chosen the foolish things of this world. There's not a one of us in this room that have a list of attributes that everybody says, Oh, I wish you could be like that. That, They're not a one of us. Sorry. Don't want to burst your bubble, but I'm going to because that's my duty as the preacher. Jesus loved us in spite of ourselves. Not because of who we are. He loved us because he alone has the power to save us. And make us a church. The world is looking for a place to belong. We have people groups and we have political systems and we have uh, military uh, units and things and people will give their very lives to have that camaraderie and be a part of that that group. I remember on the Veterans Day Parade, I, I made an amazing discovery. Even the Army has dress blues now, and the Navy has dress blues. And uh, one of my kids said, why is that? I said, because everybody wants to imitate the Marines, that's why. Uh, if you've ever seen one of those guys walking down, the, I mean, heads turn. Uh, it, it's an amazing thing. And uh, that was my aspiration as a young teenager. I wanted to be an officer in the United States Marine Corps, but the Lord sent me to Bible college. And my favorite little rejoinder is, I think both the Marine Corps and I benefited from that decision. Uh, uh, the, The simple truth of the matter is, you want to belong? What greater belonging could you have than belonging to Jesus? Belonging to the fellowship of believers. Being able to understand that God can make me loved by other people in spite of who I am. Uh, Years ago, uh, I was asked in our little Northeast Fellowship here to preach on fellowship. And uh, being that I'm from New York, I had a little different uh, twist on it and uh, preached the sermon of uh, if you love Jesus, you're going to put up with me whether you like me or not. Because we're going to end up serving the Lord together as pastors trying to do the same thing that Jesus wants us to do. And the same thing is true in the church. You know that? And it tells us here That greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. You know something? When you choose to become a part of the church of Jesus Christ, guess what you have to do? You have to stop living your life your way. If you want to really be a part, if you want to experience the joy that is there, the joy of Jesus Christ, 
That joy that allows you to love unlovely people and allows people who think you're unlovely to love you. And by the way, we all fit in that category, do we not? And to be able to serve together, to belong to each other, to have that thing that we call a true church. And I I don't want to be too long tonight, but I I want to talk about a few other uh, benefits of this as we talk about the joy of salvation. That joy started with God. That's why Jesus was able to endure the cross. That's why He put up with those disciples. Because His joy is His church. His joy is people getting saved. Someone asked, if God was really God, why does He let all of these bad things happen? Because He knows there are some who will turn from their wicked ways and surrender to Him. And God is willing to put up with all of the foolishness and the wickedness of His world, of this world, so that He can save some. Wow. Then he wants to take that joy and put it in my heart and in your heart. So that we can live in him. That we can abide in his love. We can continue in his love. We can abide in his love. We can walk in his love each and every day. We can experience the greatest love that mankind can know. You see, we can't experience the greatest love that God has given because God loved us while we were His enemies. I want to challenge you, you can't do that. We have a name for people who love their enemies more than their family. We call them traitors. You can't do that. You must betray yourself and who you are, and that is not love. Only God could love us and not betray Himself. I know that's a, one of those things you've got to think about, but it, the Bible is meant for us to think about things. Amen? Meant for us to grapple with these. If you're going to have the joy, you've got to understand something. I lay down my life so that I can serve Christ. That's love. And as we live in that love, 1 Peter 1.8, Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We sang that song this morning. The joy of having faith in God. When I was a young Christian, I used to get somewhat offended when people would attack the faith. And uh, I remember to this day, uh, I worked at the Cox Nursing Home. Uh, It was Lester E. Cox Memorial Hospital. And I was in the room of Mrs. Cox, his widow. And what I was doing was shining the floor. 
And her daughter was there. And she said, you're a nice young man. What are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to work my way through Bible college. And she got one of those weird smiles on her face. Which college are you going to? I said, a Baptist Bible college. And she goes, you know, when you grow up, you'll get past that. And, I mean, this lady had the power to get me fired just like that. I mean, it was... And I was not trying to be smart aleck or anything. And I just looked at her and said, ma'am, I... I hope that I'll still believe these things. Now, I am very close to the age that she was. I'm not even going to try. I don't guess ladies' ages, all right? Uh, but I'll tell you, I believe these truths much more today than I did all those years ago. Because this is God's love. The joy of faith. The joy of knowing that I have the truth. Do you know how many people are convinced they have the truth and they're just simply believing a lie? Read the newspaper. I mean, we have people who actually believe that this world is going to end in 12 years because of global warming. In Denmark, they are now taxing owners of cows $110 a year for emissions from the cows. Because they're trying to save the earth. I don't know how you get that done by mistake. I think you have to have training. Uh, you got to have help. You, you cannot learn that kind of foolishness. I believe in the Creator. And I'll tell you what, He built this world resiliently. It's amazing how this world can heal itself. My favorite example, two of them, is Lake Erie and Cleveland. In 1970-whatever-it-was-three-or-five-or- Somewhere in that neighborhood, Lake Erie was declared a dead lake. Do you know there are commercial fishermen in that lake bringing in Lake Erie perch today, every day to the markets? Now, you're only supposed to eat one meal a week because of toxin levels that are in there. Same is true of the waters around New York. Do not eat fish that come out of... Uh, Author Kill, if you know what that is. Uh, kill is the Dutch word for river, not what it... But if you eat fish out of Arthur Kill... <laughs> uh, anyway, you get the joke. Uh, it's around Staten Island there. It's a bad, bad place. Um, to have faith in the God of heaven. Amen? How about the joy of fellowship... That which we have heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Jesus said, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Every Sunday night we have testimonies of answered prayers. Why? 
Because God wants our joy to be full. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I want to challenge you, there is more freedom in the narrow way than in the widest stretch that you can, find, uh, that you can elasticize yourself. Uh, there is more joy in surrendering your life to Jesus than in realizing any inner self, any uh, thing that you might think that you are capable of, The greatest joy is surrendering our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. That joy started out with God. He wants to put it in us and He wants us to be able to live in it every day. And all God's people said, let's pray.